Well, hello, everybody. Uh, wow, what a week that has been uh, since our last podcast was aired. It's episode 39. And uh, at the time that we're recording this, it's Wednesday. And let's just say stuff hit the fan, if I'm saying it correctly. Am I saying it correctly? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a very eventful day, um, of course, as, as usual. Um, welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast. We're your two hosts, Matthew and Michael. Hey guys, how's it going? And uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 been a crazy day, and and for very good reason, of course, for very good reason. Um, so I mean, this is we 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 felt like we really need to hop on the podcast tonight to get um our immediate reactions, of course, because um, it's it's a very important topics it, it, it's a very important topic to discuss either way but this is breaking mm-hmm. news so we definitely want to talk about it but for anyone who hasn't um kind of been in, informed uh but basically a few days ago um on sunday um jacob blake um a black man in uh wisconsin was shot by police officers uh seven rounds he, he got took seven rounds um while he was going back to his car um, and his children were in the car and the video is there if if you want the full story um, if you if you it's very tough to see the video honestly but yeah. if you feel like you can probably search for it and find it but it's very graphic so uh, a little warning there um, but you know it's just I mean it's been so frustrating seeing this time and time again and um, you know we really we really are seriously fighting for change and and as a result of what happened, you know, the players, of course, the NBA players, the athletes, we know how we've been talking about it for the last few months, how, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that everyone is fighting for, it, it does translate into sports. Um, and we saw that especially today when the Milwaukee Bucks um, decided to boycott their game five, which they were going to play. They were scheduled to play today, um, Wednesday, uh, um, 4 p.m., I believe. And they mm-hmm. they boycotted. They refused to leave their uh, locker room, and as a result, um, the other two teams, uh, the other two games, so four teams that were scheduled to play today, the uh, the OKC Thunder and the Houston Rockets, uh, they both uh, agreed to boycott the game. So that game it was not played today, and the Los Angeles Lakers and Portland Trailblazers game um, is being mm-hmm. boycotted. Um, and I. I want to stress it is boycotted and not postponed it's being postponed as a result of the boycott but that is something i definitely want to um drive home there but yeah as as of right now um yeah the nba um the nba players are boycotting um their games and rightfully so so um of course it's huge news and michael i want to ask you what are your thoughts on this well, first of all, in regards to the video of the incident itself, uh, when I watched it first, uh, I was horrified, I was saddened, and I was angry. Because here we go again, the same stuff that's been happening for months, the same thing that everyone's been protesting for for weeks, is happening yet again, as if nothing's been happening. So to see the players make such a huge statement by boycotting their games and plenty more games are going to be boycotted for sure that sends a pretty loud message as the title of this podcast says asking the question is it loud enough uh i'd say that's pretty loud and it's we can make it even louder because well it's definitely appreciative that the players were taking knees and showing on the back of their jerseys black lives matter and all those messages i think when something like this happens people will notice People will pay attention to, hey, this is really real. And the players are telling the world, what happened to us, to Jacob Blake, hurt us so much that we cannot play. That has to send a message. Of course. Of course. And I basically felt the exact same feelings you felt. Again, it was saddening. It was terrifying to see. And it was just... So it's just so sad to see it happen time and time again. And we know that it's been happening historically. And that's exactly why um, we all are, you know, fighting for this change. Um, we need to protect our black brothers and sisters, people of color, just the minorities and, and, and the black community as a whole. And 
you know, months ago when um, the George Floyd shooting happened and, and the protests came about for that, you know, a lot of people hoped that change would happen. And, you know, NBA players have talked about this. They didn't want their return to the NBA bubble to, you know, be a distraction. And famously, Kyrie Irving spoke about that and decided to sit out of the bubble. And uh, mm-hmm. now, you know, obviously, like I said, it's been happening. And, and don't just think j- that those, you know, a lot of people might who might not be tuned in as much might think that those protests, you know, even though they the, the coverage for those protests maybe might have um, decreased a little. Um, mm-hmm. These problems are still happening at an alarming rate. And now another one, another police brutality shooting has happened. And uh, it's been in the pub- it's in the public eye, especially because it's caught on video. Um, so it's just one of those things that it's just another instance that brings it right back to the forefront. It's, it's rightfully so should be brought right back to the forefront. So it's just sad mm-hmm. seeing that. And I, I fully support the players for doing what they can do because, hey, look. We're talking about it here because a a boycott, the NBA boycotting, like the NBA players boycotting their games is such a huge statement to make. It's amazing. It's, it's spectacular. And to all those people who are saying, you know, there are a lot of people who are saying um, maybe they just don't get what it does, um, this kind of statement. But um, mm-hmm. to everyone who, you know, who are questioning um, what kind of statement um is 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 being made when uh this happens is you know it's just flat out it's, it's a huge statement it's getting people talking and hopefully it, it is raising awareness for what um you know what these players and what black communities and and, and pretty much allies in general are fighting for mm-hmm. and i guess really comes down to this how many more times are we going to be seeing these situations happening with black people and people of color in general being oppressed, uh, racially discriminated against and flat out murdered before real change is happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sick and tired of the same stuff happening over and over and over again. I know you're sick and tired of it too. Of course. Cause, cause I want, we want to be able to progress forward in society, not to have to think about things that are holding it back of continuing to progress because as much as I love to say, Things are going to get better. Things are going to like become sunshine and roses. We're all going to sing hands and hold hands and sing kumbaya. It's not going to happen. Not for not until we see real change. And when are we going to see it? I want to see it. I know you do, but when are we going to see it? Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I mean, I think that's why we we both are here supporting the boycotts by these um nba players and uh we definitely just want to see change now and and um we i I here i want to just let you guys know that everyone who's listening what we have in store this episode because i think it would be uh better because we we interviewed um vivek jacob a uh, toronto raptors reporter um he covers the raptors for a number of websites and, and basketball in general but um we were able to talk to him you know, immediately after this news and about what's going on. So we talk more about that there. Um, so uh, we'll get it more in depth about, you know, how we feel about everything there. But uh, mm-hmm. Michael, I, I mean, I just want to, I just want to ask you like, uh, what do you think, what do you think will happen from here? It's really tough to say because I'm hearing so many conflicting reports um regards to like what the NBA players think about the future of the season. Obviously, right now, all the games have been postponed. To what to what date? We don't. We're not hundred percent sure. There are some players that think the seasons are in can are is in jeopardy because, as a tweet from Watch earlier today put it, there's others that are saying that NBA players want to keep playing to uh, for for reasons that I can't remember off the top of my head. But they, uh, like I said, there's a lot of uh, conflicting reports on what's going to be happening. And I guess really, I'd say the first step should be to just postpone the the, the next week. And I, I told you this earlier in a in a DM. They should just like just hold things off for a week just to figure things out and then decide what they need to want to do in terms of uh, should the season continue? Should we just postpone it indefinitely? Just come wait until uh, November, December to start playing again? Just 
have no championship for this bubble and just to get on with it. But really, it's really tough to say because everything is moving so fast. And it's just like uh, it was a few months ago, those were moving so fast. It's real. I can't, not really sure what's going to be happening next. It's this is really crazy. Everything that's been happening the last few hours. Mm-hmm. But again, rightfully so, these things are happening with a good intention behind it. So, full support from us all the way. And uh, yeah, for me, it's a lot of the same feelings about what's uh, what's the next steps. But what I know for sure is uh, it's for it's for the right reason, and uh, we'll just see how it pans out. Yeah, and I mean, going back even to your point, I just want to, um, I just want to touch on the fact that I really think the players should also have the platform to boycott. Still, I know how you said, you know, they should just the league should just postpone, um, the, you know, the season for at least another week. Um, you know, I still think like, I I don't want to see it as the NBA just postponing the games right away. I want to be able to see you know, the players have the platform to come out and say, we're boycotting this game because I almost feel like if the NBA stepped up right now and just postponed the next week, then it takes a lot of um, attention off the players from, you know, announcing their own boycotts, right? Um, if, mm-hmm. if you can get what I'm saying. But yeah, like essentially there's so much power in these boycotts happening. Like it's taking people back like, whoa, uh, you know, this team is not, not wanting to play uh, I wonder why like people might be saying that and then they find out why and it really raises the awareness in that and uh, I I just yeah like I, I don't know how the NBA will go about the next week or then over the next few hours or next day but um, I would love to be able to see um, you know the Raptors or the Celtics who are scheduled to play tomorrow uh, Thursday actually be able to say um, you know we are boycotting this game or you know what other teams to be able to say that rather than the NBA come out tonight and say um, the, the the following games are postponed and kind of take that voice away from the teams. If you get what I'm mm-hmm. saying, yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, but I totally get it. Again, I want to be able to see that because just going back to the whole point that I think this statement um, maybe it doesn't bring direct change and a lot of people who are kind of arguing what's going on right now maybe they don't see that uh you know any direct change and that's why they're not able to grasp the impact that this has but i think that the the statement of you know a boycott and not playing these games obviously got the whole sports world talking right now um and if more teams and players can do that like it's a it's such a drastic um action then then it'll catch on or it'll make people, you know, really realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. And really what it comes down to is just making an impact, raising awareness, using their platform to make a big statement. And this pro this boycott is a big statement. We have not seen anything like this from any sports leagues in a very long time. I just noticed on Twitter uh, that the last time uh, the NBA did a boycott of a game was back in 1961. And it was with Bill Russell and many others leading the way because of similar issues to what's uh, happening today of racial injustice. So these problems have not gone away in the many years between that last boycott and this one. And that should really tell you that if there's going to be real change, you have to make an impact in some way that gets people to hear. And I hope now that after tonight that people have heard loud and clear that there needs to be change. A hundred percent. And again, we were able to interview Vivek Jacobs, a uh, Raptors reporter, and we speak more about this with him and about his reaction. So I think this is the best time to go right into that interview um, while we're on this topic. So how about we go into that now? On today's podcast, we're so pleased to be joined by Vivek Jacob. Vivek is a freelance writer for Complex Canada and Raptors Republic. He's also a weekly guest on the Locked On Raptors podcast and has written pieces for The Athletic, Vice, Sportsnet, and North Pole Hoops, just to name a few. Welcome to the show, Vivek. How are you today? 
Well, thank you for that very kind intro. Uh, I'm doing all right, obviously, reacting to uh, the breaking news as, as it happens. A pretty crazy day for the NBA and sports in general. I think it's a day that is going to be remembered for a very long time. A hundred percent. I definitely think today will be even a day, much like the day when the NBA shut down. I think today will be another big day that will be in the history books as well, um, especially in terms of sports history as well. Um, but even on a broader note there, um, of course, I, I want to tell the listeners that we are recording this on Wednesday evening. Um, we originally had planned to have uh, Vivek on to talk about the Raptors round two series against the Celtics. But um, before we get into any, you know, Raptors talk or any round two preview talk, um, I do want to touch on what happened today. And mm-hmm. uh, so the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks boycotted their game five in the wake of the uh, Jacob Blake shooting. And the rest of the scheduled teams today followed suit and boycotted their games. Um, first, Vivek, I just want to ask you, uh, where were you and what was your reaction to that? And did you kind of see it coming? Uh, to the Bucks boycott? Yeah. I, I honestly did not see it coming because all the conversation the past couple of days, it sounded like the Celtics and the Raptors were the only ones who were, you know, thinking about a boycott. Because And then you look at, you know, there were games that happened uh, on Tuesday. There were games that happened on Monday. And so uh, I thought if there was uh, a game or, or a couple of teams that were going to lead the way or start boycotting, I thought it was going to be the Celtics and Raptors. So it definitely caught me off guard when the news came out. Uh, that the Bucks were not had not entered the court, and then uh, as soon as I saw that on Twitter, I went and flipped on the TV, and Magic left the court soon after, and yeah, here we are now with uh, all the games postponed for Wednesday, and I can't imagine anything is going to change uh, for, uh, that change that for Thursday either. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, just for the listeners that, that are aware, um, tomorrow is supposed to be game one between the Raptors and the Celtics. And uh, as we said, it was supposed to be we were supposed to be talking about that. But uh, since we they have been discussing potentially boycotting the game, and judging from the fact that not only is the Bucks game post boycotted, but so is the other two games tonight, I can't be too shocked if that happens with the Raptors. So I want to ask you. Tell us what the mindset is and feelings from the Raptors about the situation. They are fed up. They are, in their words, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Uh, they came in to this bubble, you know, hoping that their social justice messages, constantly speaking on the issues to try and keep the conversation going, would be the right move, that it would uh, spark change and you know build on the momentum of the protests from the killing of George Floyd uh, but that has obviously not been the case we have seen it uh, and 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 Jacob Blake's shooting is just uh, a tipping point and I think uh, for them obviously they didn't they at no point did they think that this was all that they needed to do but uh, I think it's sort of raised the impetus to do more right now. And uh, the boycott, uh, it, it, it's just to make the Board of Governors uh, act quickly, uh, to make politicians act quickly, uh, and lawmakers, and try to get some change because, uh, frankly, everyone should be fed up with with what we're seeing in the world today. No. You know, just to see the complete disregard for black lives. I mean, that's what it was. When you look at the way George Floyd was killed, when you look at uh, the way uh, those cops shot Jacob Blake, that is just complete disregard for his life Mm -hmm. and complete disregard for the kids. His kids were right in the car. Mm -hmm. They're scarred for life now. Mm -hmm. They're never going to recover from seeing something like that. And so Mm -hmm. those are things that uh, Fred Van Vliet and... Norman Powell and Pascal Siakam, uh, you know, they're extremely, you know, I don't want to say discouraged, but they're down. Uh, they're obviously emotionally down, uh, but they they feel 
the need, the urge, uh, the urgency to make something happen right now. A hundred percent. Um, like you said, I mean, they felt down and, um, you, you of course cover the Raptors and then, um, have been, you know, uh, keeping in touch with, uh, or keeping close with their quotes, uh, and what they've been saying, uh, the last few days. Um, of course, like you said, it, it has been, they've been vocal about saying about how it affects, you know, their mentality and their, even, uh, you know, their mindset when playing and it's very hard. Um, I just want to, you know, rewind here a little bit and, and, um, ask you, even if the Bucks didn't boycott today, um, mm-hmm. the last few days were you getting the sense, especially when the Raptors met with the Celtics um, for that players meeting, um, were you getting the sense that it was likely going like the Raptors would boycott most likely, or what, what were you feel? What were you thinking would happen with the Raptors had the had the Bucks not boycotted their game today? Well, it, so if the games had played out today. Uh, I think I still would have been 50-50 on what was going to happen. I think for me, you know, one of the things I tweeted was just because of how uh, emotionally drained they seemed and Mm -hmm. because uh, of, you know, the impression I got that they were really struggling in terms of uh, their mental health, just really not, you know, they, they, they were just out of it. And Nick Nurse said it too, you know, he... He, he wanted to give them as much time as they could. And they tried to compartmentalize and say, okay, we're going to, you know, talk about what we can do action wise to, uh, to go from here. Uh, and then when they tried to flip over and, you know, sort of go through plays and whatnot, he could tell that some players were out of it. So from that standpoint, you know, I, I was saying that like, I don't, I, at that point, I didn't even think they needed sort of a big picture, send a message reason to not play mm-hmm. like, considering everything that's been put on their shoulders, it's like, here, come play in this bubble um, as this global pandemic is going on and, uh, you know, deal with the stress of that, be away from your families, then be leaders uh, in this social justice movement and use the the platform and these uh, press conferences every single day to voice uh, your concerns and uh, further the conversation a lot to put an individual Mm -hmm. and uh you know i think i think again this is just a breaking point so uh i either way if that game went down thursday i can't imagine we would have seen anywhere near uh let alone playoff type intensity just any type of you know basketball pick up whatever you want to call it i don't think you would have seen any type of desire to really play a game and win of course 100 percent. absolutely and since you're talking about uh the importance uh i think it really goes to show that uh today's moment is going to be remembered for a very long time and just like matthew said earlier i guess what i'm trying to say is uh what do you think is going to be the significance of today's moment for those who don't really under fully understand so I think a lot of people who maybe don't understand and there'll be a lot of other people who will be saying, well, guess what? Black people are still going to get killed. Players playing and and players not playing is not going to change that. We were seeing unarmed people, uh, unarmed black people get killed and that's going to continue. And frankly, it is going to continue. But what the NBA players are trying to do right now when you are literally forcing uh, the board of governors with each owner of the franchise to look and say, hey, my team is not stepping onto the basketball court. That's money out of my pocket. Now you're forcing their hand. You're mm-hmm. forcing them to say, okay, this has clearly reached uh, a point of seriousness that I have to acknowledge. I have to maybe reach out to my political contacts. I have to reach out to uh, lawmakers, whoever I know that can try to make this situation better right now and have some changes. The Milwaukee Bucks, uh, they not only didn't enter the court, they spent their time in the locker room trying to contact the attorney, attorney general of Wisconsin and uh, get justice as soon as possible and so that's what this is about 
you know, I think as a society, we all try to say, oh, you know, we'll, we'll do our part day by day. And for good people, uh, over time, things will improve, things will get better. But people have been saying that for a long time. And mm-hmm. nothing has changed. 100%. So now it's time to just ramp things up to the next level because because this can't continue. Exactly. Mm-hmm. As, as a quick follow up, uh, do you think that uh, this is going you, you could see other sports leagues following suit? Like I know uh, the Milwaukee Brewers uh, just recently announced that they're not going to be playing in tonight's game, but uh, just other leagues in g- general and maybe not the NHL, but uh, maybe when the NFL comes back, do you think more moves like this are going to be following? You don't think the NHL is going to fall through? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, we, we could wish, we could wish, but that would be in an ideal world. We've been putting up with them but, I mean, enough right now. That, that, that's, that's, that, that's the point right there, mm-hmm. though, right? Exactly. Like that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the magnitude of the battle that's being fought right now. You had Fred Van Vliet and Norman Powell speaking on the issues, the real-world issues uh, that are at hand right now. Uh, when they had their press conferences yesterday. And then on the other side of it, you had the NHL talking about, uh, you know, having some kind of fancy breakfast and all that type of stuff. And so uh, it really adds perspective to what uh, these different people in these different leagues stand for. And again, let's make no mistake. It's not like uh, this is the NBA as a league making a big statement, right? The, the, these are the players mm-hmm. making a statement mm-hmm. because... The NBA had the opportunity uh, to try and make a big statement, and they really didn't. They, uh, when the players wanted to wear certain names uh, on on the back of their jerseys, they said no. These are your choices. When uh, it came uh, time to sort of having the board of governors again put out a real statement and promote real action, that didn't happen. And you know, people will point to the ten-year, three hundred million deal. Uh, that was made to sort of help empower black people in the black community. But let's do the math on that. That's 30 teams, 300 million divided by 10. That's each board of governor giving up a million bucks a year. And you think about how much money they make. How significant is that really? Mm-hmm. And so uh, when you look at the other leagues, I definitely think when you think about who consumes the sports, there's a huge statement to be made if the NFL were to follow along, if uh, Major League Baseball were to follow along, if, if the NHL were to follow along. Um, and and that, again, speaks to the broader message, right? It, mm-hmm. Why why are uh, black people right now saying they're sick and tired of being sick, sick and tired? Because they're tired of ha- having to fight for themselves all this time and mm-hmm. it's time for everyone else around them uh all you know white people brown people asian people everyone to stand together and say that enough is enough exactly exactly um and then my i mean just as you put it like it's it's such a huge statement either way of course people are going to argue you know that they don't see what this does but i think just the fact that so many people are talking about and have can you know argue about that shows how big of a a statement this is and they are trying to take action through that um so it it definitely is a huge thing and hopefully like it does spread to other leagues and, and obviously it um you know brings about more change um but my next question is obviously i mean Woj tweeted today um that you know the players are feeling very raw emotions right now and that they're kind of already worn out of the bubble and one veteran player even said the season is in jeopardy um so i gotta ask you do you think the season is in jeopardy and what do you think will happen from here well the season is in jeopardy if the board of governors uh aren't willing to act uh and aren't you know, standing with the players and pushing for real action. The same way that the Milwaukee Bucks players in the locker room were getting on the phone and contacting the Wisconsin Attorney General. Uh, I'd like to think they got the contact from their, uh, you know, front office or uh, Board of Governor, whoever, whoever 
it may be and that they're doing this together but if that's not the case then all these owners need to get on the phone as well and uh i think that's where potentially you're looking at the season it being in jeopardy but uh I think because of the stand that the players are taking, I think this will definitely force uh, everyone's hands into doing more. And I think this is where I'll go back to before uh, everyone even entered the bubble when the conversation was about whether they should play or whether they should not play. There, there, there wasn't a wrong answer at that time. Uh, any player who thought that it, it wasn't in the best interest to play and possibly distract from the message they were perfectly entitled to feel that way. Those who wanted to play and earn that type of generational wealth that can help their families and the black community as a whole going uh, into future generations, they were perfectly entitled to play for those reasons as well uh, and use the platform that the NBA was gonna uh, give them. But now I think the reason this message is so powerful is because everyone is anticipating these playoff games. And so you had a situation where everyone's turning on the TV to watch a playoff game. And now you get this huge announcement that no, there will be no basketball today. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't think the entire season is in jeopardy because I think I would like to believe the optimist in me will like to believe that uh, something real, something tangible will come of this. And with that, the players will be open to returning. Uh, but I wouldn't rule it out either. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, and I, I like your point about, you know, uh, how a lot of people are watching and then it, it kind of, you know, the season's kind of just ending now. But um, I, I, I think it's it's crazy. I, was, I just thought about now that this statement I feel is even bigger right now because kind of the NBA's return has kind of brought a lot of eyes right now onto the NBA. And then for them to do this today is it's pretty spectacular. Um, because there's definitely a lot of eyes on them, which is great. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, but, Michael, do you have any other questions? Honestly, I guess really what comes down to is um, what should sports leagues uh, in general be looking to do to be more than just uh, acknowledging the problems and uh, showing actual support? Because I feel there are certain leagues, uh, pre you pretty much know who I'm referring to, uh, that maybe could be doing a better job. And I guess really it's just what can sports leagues do from here to really just help, their, help the fight? Yeah, I mean, just get be, get beyond the cosmetic stuff, right? When, when you look across, again, we had the conversation about Maasai. Uh, when you look across the major sports leagues, how many black presidents do you see of these teams? How many minority presidents do you see of these teams? Uh, how many minorities are in these board meetings? Uh, so that's where you have to create spaces for black people. Uh, and I would say, you know, my minorities as well in terms of just gaining better perspective and, and understanding how you can create better opportunities. Because at the end of the day, if you just have one race in the boardroom, you're, you're, you're shutting yourself out from all these different experiences and you really have no idea uh, how to make uh, a good decision when it comes to diversity, when it comes to uh, frankly, just maximizing uh, everyone that could potentially be at your disposal. Mm -hmm. And so th that's what organizations should be looking to do. And frankly, Part of why the Raptors have set themselves apart because they do exemplify that. You look at the way Masai has prioritized hiring women, hiring, uh, you, you look at Bobby Webster, uh, he is Asian American. When you look at, uh, you know, going down the line, uh, there are a lot of black people in the organization. And so uh, that caters to uh, more diversity, more perspectives, and just a better understanding on the whole and so, yeah, that's what I would advocate for all the organizations, uh, regardless of which league. For sure. I mean, the Raptors have definitely become the like the NBA's premier organization in terms of a lot of things, in terms of success and in terms of, uh, you know, what they do off the court as well. Um, but, you know, I, I know we're, before we close out, we just have 
I mean, a couple Raptors questions now because obviously we don't know whether or not the Celtics or Raptors series will get played or when that might happen, but still there is the chance that it does. So we do want to ask a few Raptors questions that we kind of planned. Um, but shifting into that, first, I just wanted to ask you uh, who are some players or what are some things that really stuck out to you in the Raptors first round series against the Nets? I think right at the top of the list has to be Fred Van Vliet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was incredible. And I think he's been that way ever since he entered the bubble. Uh, and it, it's a, it, it, what's even more spectacular is the fact that he's uh, maintained that standard off the court in the way he's spoken as well. And so uh, his play on the court, I think he looks like the best Raptor in the bubble, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, Pascal Siakam, you know, I, th- I think has picked it up as the games have gone on, I certainly like his decision making, and I think he's in for a big test against the Celtics if and when that series happens. Uh, beyond that, the takeaways, you know, you we've all known over the course of the season that the Raptors have an incredible defense, and they showcase that against the Nets. The other thing to uh, that's been great to see about this Raptors team and people probably wondered with Kawhi leaving is what is their killer instinct like right mm-hmm. now? And to see them just shut it down and and put away Brooklyn for nothing, uh, to, to sweep them for the first time in franchise history. And you look at moments within those four games as well when they just decided to turn it on and say, hey, this game is over. The game was over. And so I think that's another thing I take away uh, for them potentially going down and playing uh, more games that they, they have that championship swagger. They have that pedigree uh, that, that's going to carry them uh, a long way. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly the thing I was thinking about, too, of course. Uh, they really showed, you know, their first, their next man up mentality. Um, it was really fully on display this uh during their first round series so it's going to be interesting to see um you know a more deep team with boston and how um they match up there but uh that brings us to our next question which uh, michael will ask yeah it's funny you were talking about mentality because i think that's one of the things that raptor fans have been talking about this year's team and well especially talking about last year's team too so how does this year's team compare to the one last season that won the championship this team compared to last year well we're still you know i think i I think the interesting thing is uh, the big narrative coming into this season has been oh the raptors don't have that a1 superstar they've lost Kawhi, and everyone has well i won't say everyone a lot of people have projected that responsibility onto siakam and i think the raptors over the course of the season and through these four playoff games have shown that that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. And you look at these four games, for example, Pascal Siakam, the whole team recognized that Fred Van Vliet is the one who has it going. He's got the odd end. We'll just ride that. They have no egos. Like a lot of people say, oh, the Raptors don't have superstars. No, they just don't have egos. They have guys who are real stars. Marcus All has been a de- defensive player of the year. Kyle Lowry has been on an all NBA team. He's, he's a six-time All-Star. You look at Pascal Siakam being an All-Star starter this year. They have real stars on their team. They just put everything aside for winning. And so uh, I will say, you know, while last year's team maybe catered to Kawhi and tried to figure it out around him, and said, hey, you look at Kyle Lowry, he was a prime example of that, right? Whenever... Mm-hmm. Kawhi was in the lineup, his numbers went down. Whenever Kawhi was out of the lineup, the Raptors, again, they went 17-5 and five without Kawhi. And all of a sudden, you saw Kyle's numbers go up, and you saw him really uh, take on more of a scoring load and really uh, dominate the game. And I feel like, you know, that's what this team is about. They will... No, no one's really sacrificing in that sense, but... Uh, everybody's eating and everyone's happy. Exactly. Um, Good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I got to ask you the golden question. I feel like when you bring up the Celtics and the Raptors, especially those two teams together, 
all year, it seems like the biggest debate the fans have been trying mm-hmm. to settle was Pascal Siakam versus Jason Tatum. So I got to ask mm-hmm. you, which player do you really think is better and why? And how might each of them play into this upcoming series? Because I don't know about you, but like all, all season I've been seeing, you know, Celtics fans, you know, defend uh, Tatum, you know, so much. And, and Raptors fans, rightfully so as well, right there. And, and they're very close. Um, so I want to know what you think. It is very close, and it's a tough debate. Um, I think Jason Tatum at this point is the better offensive player. Mm-hmm. I think he sort of has more in the bag. And uh, I do feel Pascal Siakam is the better defensive player. And so mm. when, I lo- when I look at what the Raptors' identity is and the way Siakam is able to defend. I mean, he's ramped up his defense from what we saw uh, in the regular season to the playoffs. Not that he was a bad defender in the in the regular season. He's just taken it to, the, to another level. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the Raptors' identity, again, defense wins championships. Siakam just fits this team perfectly. Um, and I, I don't know that. I, I'll put it this way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't you know, uh, if, if someone gave me the choice of, hey, just take Siakam out and put Tatum on the Raptors, I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think many Raptors fans are, are with you there, and I think it is a give and take thing when it comes to those two players. It's, you know, they're very similar in terms of the level of eliteness they're at. They are they both mm-hmm. have their pros, but it's, it's in different ways. So that's it's it's definitely going to be very interesting uh, this series. Yeah. Mhm. Um so then our next question is uh how 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 do you think the Raptors will match up against the Celtics? Yeah, I think I th- I think it's arguably their toughest matchup in the East. I think the Celtics do so many things that take away the Raptors' best strengths. You look at the Raptors, they love to get out in transition. They were the number one transition team in the league. And that's a big part of their offense. The Celtics take really good care of the ball. They've got guys like Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, who handle the ball the, most of the time in the pick and roll. And so they're really effective with it. And so the Raptors are going to be challenged to get out in transition. Then you look at, again, the way Kemba and Jason Tatum operate in those pick and rolls. Mm-hmm. They know how to shoot. They're very capable shooters in the mid-range. And so uh, that takes away, I would say, some of the flexibility of the Raptors' defense because, again, there's only so much zone that you can use against uh, a team that can shoot the ball from anywhere that has multiple ball handlers uh, that's sort of forcing you to uh, make decisions and make quick choices in terms of who you're extending out to, who you're pressuring on the ball. And so, again, the Celtics put a lot of pressure on the Raptors, but the one guy that eases that pressure, the the one guy whose absence eases that pressure is Gordon Hayward. Mm -hmm. I think he would have been a real key to this series. And, I mean, now with the situation, who knows when we get to see this series actually play out. Who knows, he might even recover in time. And mm-hmm. so, uh, if he's in this series again, that's another ball handler. That's another guy who can bust a zone. That's another guy with length. Uh, I would say the Raptors, you know, they they feel comfortable. Sort of uh, Pascal Siakam when he switched on to a big, for example, we saw at times when Jared Allen was switched on to Pascal Siakam on the perimeter that he was taking him off the bounce and getting to the basket, and. Uh, the Celtics, they're going to be switching between their perimeter guys because of their wing depth. And they, they've got Jalen Brown uh, and Jason Tatum, who will arguably spend all of their minutes defending a Pascal Siakam. Jalen Brown has been the primary defender on Pascal through the regular season, so he will get the, mo- uh, the most looks at him. But Jason Tatum's going to get some looks at him as well. And those are the matchups where I feel uh, present Pascal the most problems, but again, the strength for the Raptors is their mentality that they've gained through experience. Mm-hmm. 
I do think Nick Nurse has a slight edge in the coaching department. Uh, and I do feel uh, that the Raptors, because of their two-way ability between Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet, uh, I do think if Gordon Hayward is hurt, then you, you then you got Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet going up against Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker, and so I'll take Lowry and Van Vliet over them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, since we're talking about Tatum, uh, I believe that's going to be one player that Raptors fans should be keeping an eye out. But the Celtics team is still very much talented, and I think uh, if this series does get to be played, it should be very interesting, and I think it'll go the distance. Uh, but that'll be safe for a little bit later. But in turn but that's because of the fact that the celtics have a very talented core and i want to ask you if there's any celtics besides tatum that raptor fans should be aware of as a threat to turn the tides in boston's favor well i think you can't if if these if these games are boycotted for long enough and suspended for long enough and gordon hayward is able to come back healthy then i think he is a real problem i think you know, his value sort of gets undermined on this Celtics team because people talk about Jason Tatum first and then Jalen Brown and then Kemba Walker. But I think I think he's someone that is a, a real problem for the Raptors uh, with, his, with his length, with his ability to create for others. And so he is the one that I would probably look out for, his status. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides that, I mean, Kemba Walker has been a Raptor killer for a long time, even in even when he was wearing a Hornets uniform. And so uh, that's someone that I would look at as well and say, hey, you, you've got to sort of turn off the tap with him and make, make, him, make him a passer as much as possible because he's, he's had some really big scoring games against the Raptors over his career. Absolutely. Kemba Walker is definitely one player that I'd be keeping an eye on. And uh, I think these playoffs, like he's been looking forward to these playoffs for a long time because I can't remember off the top of my head the last time the Hornets were in the series conversation. for the well, Was that 2016, I want to say? Was that the last time they were in the playoffs or 2018? Right, right. Yeah. I so, think yeah, 2016, that... they lost in the first round to Miami, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if I remember yeah. correctly. And then the Raptors played the Heat in the second round. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's uh, that's why I say you make a really good point because there's a guy that's going to be super motivated to try and like make make a run out of this. If this is who knows how many more chances he's going to get, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, no question. That that definitely plays onto different players' minds. I mean, I think that played into uh, the Raptors' minds last year too, right? In that sense that hey, Kawhi might not be here. This might be the best chance that we have at a title. And so in that same way. Uh, I think if there's anything 2020 has taught us, it's to not take anything for granted. So uh, this moment right now, uh, I definitely think guys like Kemba and a lot of people will be looking at it and saying, hey, whenever we play again, we got to grasp this opportunity. That's great. Absolutely. Okay, this has been a great interview, and thank Mm -hmm. you so much for providing your perspective. Uh, Before we let you go, uh, two things. First, uh, what are your predictions for this round if it does get played? Uh, just for the Raptors and Celtics, or yeah, just yeah, the Raptors, Raptors and Celtics. Celtics. Okay, uh, I, I will. I will take the Raptors in seven games. I think. I think it'll be a really, really tough series. I, I think these two teams are really evenly matched, but I think ultimately the Raptors' experience, their championship pedigree, and their ability to adjust. I think that'll get them through in the end. Mm-hmm. and then michael what was the second part that you wanted to ask? i guess it's just uh plug in your socials uh, so people know oh, where yes. to find you <laughs> oh yeah you, you you can follow me on twitter at vivek m jacob and you can find my work at complex canada raptors republic and Sportsnet as well thanks so much for having me guys this was a fun chat i really enjoyed it of course no worries and yeah to the listener no definitely check it check him out uh some of his stuff on Raptors Republic is some of the, my favorite stuff to check out. So uh, definitely go take a look. Um, again, thank you so much, Vivek, for joining us. We really appreciate it. And thank it. you for providing your insight. It was yes. really appreciated. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Keep doing your thing. Thank you. Thank you.
what a great great discussion with vivek um here on the podcast um great guy great reporter make sure to check out his stuff um again on you know complex um raptors republic he uh, he he's he helps host uh the locked on raptors podcast and just a whole bunch of things so definitely check him out and yeah that was a really great discussion he provided a lot of valuable insight and uh, especially on the news of today's of uh boycotts it was definitely very important that we got to have him on to discuss those things uh just to really wrap up the talk about the NBA, though, I guess we talked, he said his predictions for the series. Let's assume this series does happen, whenever that is. What do you, how, what do you predict this series is going to be? I mean, again, I was right there with him and thinking Raptors in seven, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's going to go the distance. Um, if, if I mean, last year, Philly took Toronto to seven games. And I think this is, I think, I honestly think Boston is the team that Toronto needs to be uh, scared of the most in a good way, though. I just think they match up very, very well against the Raptors. But I think, um, I definitely do think the Raptors can still find ways to win. And I think it'll go the distance to seven games. Um, But yeah, what about you? I think the same thing, too. Uh, I think, uh, unlike the previous series where the Raptors were facing a team that was depleted with injuries. Plus, a bunch of their star players uh, had uh, not participated in the bubble. They were probably going to be in for an easy time, in a sense. And no more than five games is going to be played in that series. But now they're facing their first true test of this playoffs. Uh, The Celtics are no joke. They are a legit threat. And I think that uh, the Raptors should definitely take them seriously. Because this series does have the potential to go the distance to seven games. And at the end of the day, I still think the Raptors are going to win this series. But I think just like the Celt- the 76ers last year, I think they're they're going to be their first true test. And I think that's uh, something that if they can pass this test, they definitely got a good shot. For sure, for sure. And again, that's all banking on the, you know, on the belief that um, the season will eventually resume. And that's banking on the belief that we think, I mean, I really do think uh, all teams will follow suit and, um, you know, boycott all their games. We'll just have to see in the next coming days. But, um, I mean, that's definitely the biggest, what happened today is definitely the biggest topic of this podcast. And, um, I, I want to talk about, you know, what other sports are doing, but before I talk about that, but I mean, I'm just so, I'm amazed at what the NBA players are doing. Like it's, it's crazy. And we are, we're, we're titling this, um, podcast is this loud enough, um, and I feel like that has a lot of meaning to it. When you when you proposed that to me, I, I loved it because, you know, back in June when the George Floyd shooting happened, um, mm-hmm. we so many people protests. Um, there were so many protests. Um, you know, the world really came together to try and fight um, racism and injustice and try to, you know, bring forth change to try and build that you know a society that's that's anti racist and. Um, just, just, you know, a better place to live in. And even then, you know, even now we still have people, well, not exactly arguing, but a lot of people don't understand what this statement really means and what the impact it has. And, uh, again, like if back in June, if it wasn't loud enough, because there are still a lot of people who don't really grasp the impact of what's going on, um, Right now, I mean, I I feel like if anything, again, back to our title, um, the NBA players right now are saying, well, is this is this loud enough? Is you know putting the season on the line and 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 you know walking out on the season, is this loud enough? Because that's how that's how serious this is to everyone, and I hope mm-hmm. everyone takes like realizes how serious this is. So I just wanted to say well, you, that. Hmm. You wonder who's really not taking it as seriously as those other leagues. At the time that we're recording this, the NHL is trending on Twitter. And usually that uh, would probably mean something good happened for the league. Like, oh, the NHL's doing this. The NHL's back. This is great. Not tonight. Tonight, it's uh, for the exact opposite reasons. And it's much deserved that they're getting some criticism. Because unlike uh, the MLB, which has some games that are being post uh, boycotted, we already saw that with the NBA, the mm-hmm. NHL... Brace yourselves are going to have 
a moment of reflection. Wow. <sighs> Guys, did you hear that? The NHL solved racism by reflecting. Great job. Great I'm, job. I'm not even trying to, you know, like come at the NHL. I mean, we... I mean, the NHL is a great league in many regards, but they really need to take action because they have a huge platform and a huge voice. And at this point, what would reflecting do? They've been reflecting for the last how long when these mm-hmm. issues have, you know, arose. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like... It's a literary bog. You know, go go ahead. It's just basically, I'm just basically going to add, it's the, it's the literal embodiment of the much to think about tweet. Honestly, and I was just about to say, like, these players, NHL players have this platform and, and you know, we've criticized how they've been going about these issues the last, you know, last month, ever since the season returned. Um, and, you know, players, league officials would say, um, you know, they've been listening and learning things you know they 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 say things to that extent they've been listening and learning well you know like you can only listen and learn for so long till you're actually like when are you when have you actually learned and when is it time to put what you learned to you know to use like right now is is time to to put that to use i mean mm-hmm. hockey and basketball we, we even talked about last week in just a little but they are very similar in a lot of ways and they you really can't have one without the other and especially in the nhl's regard because um i, I do kind of feel like it is more of uh you know the nhl does look over to the nba for a lot of things and mm-hmm. hockey players love looking at basketball culture and uh you know benefiting from especially black culture as well uh of you know looking at black culture basketball culture and benefiting from it and it's enough now of enough of reflecting enough of listening and learning and time to take action and we see the brewers um you know they are boycotting today's game and i mean of course that's milwaukee's team and that's kind of the area that is in relation to the jacob blake shooting but i've i i believe that and the the that major league baseball teams will follow suit and start boycotting and mm-hmm. just for the nhl just to kind of sit back and be the one league that just kind of sits back always um it's really sad to see Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy because there has been quite a lot that's been happening in the NHL. Uh, was the Logan Couture incident, Casper um, Kapanen and his his uh, private affairs. Uh, can't even think of anything else off the top of my head. But this just tops it all. Like, there's so this is pretty much an embodiment of just how messy of a public relation the NHL currently has with the uh with their fans because uh it's there's so much work that has to be done for them to properly have the trust of like minorities because a lot of minorities do not feel safe i have seen a few tweets today of people of color saying i don't feel safe watching hockey i don't feel safe as a fan of this sport and that's sad that no one should be feeling unease afraid and scared while watching a sport that just makes it all the more apparent that these problems continue to persist and that there should be serious action done because I'm going to be repeating myself here, but like I said, people should not be afraid to watch a sport. That's it. Of course. Of course. Um, I'm with you right there. And yeah, I mean, I think it just goes back to the whole point of I mean, it's it's about time, you know, hockey players really um, take the stand with their platform. I mean, you know, don't just let, you know, the fact that Tyler Sagan, Robin Lehner, Ryan Reeves, uh, Matt Dumba, don't don't let them, their kneeling go to waste. And they're big. That was a big action. Just don't let it go to waste. Like the time has come to actually show that you can make a difference and, and to take action and 
and uh, it's unfortunate to see. Um, it's unfortunate to see that the NHL is still falling in its ways of, you know, staying very tight to the chest and just going with something super safe, which is a moment of uh, reflection. Um, like mm-hmm. we haven't been reflecting for so long where we need action now, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that. Uh, I just want to quickly point up something, uh, before you're on that point, uh, here's a tweet from Arthur Staple, uh, the New York Islanders and the Philadelphia players just finished their game, which really shouldn't have been played, but I digress. I Anders Lee on the NBA protests. It's a great thing they're doing. Those are conversations we need to have, but we just got off the ice. I mm-hmm. just want to let you want to get your reaction to a quote like that and the fact that the Lightning and Bruins game is going to be played. I mean, I want to know your reaction actually first. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think we're going to feel the same way. Yeah. We both feel frustrated. It's Yeah, that. it is just frustrating. I think it's just beating kind of the same mindset that we've had for the longest time is just that, you know, Hockey culture needs to improve. Um, and, and you know, there's are times where, you know, you shouldn't just do as you're told. Or at least you're, we hope that you don't just do as you're told because mm-hmm. sometimes the best thing to do is outside of the box that you're basically in. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot of that same reaction there. But uh, I think... Um, I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, yeah, like we could have spoken about the, you know, the Casper Kapanen trade. Um, we could have broke that down, but this isn't the time for that right now. And uh, yeah, we'll just see how things play out in the next few days. I want to give a quick shout out to the WNBA as well. Huge uh, difference makers in uh, in 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 what's been going on, and they've been really um, they've been really big on uh, you know bringing about social change and making and uh making people more aware and uh we uh, fully support um everything that they're doing and they are also boycotting their games tonight so um huge shout out to them over at the WNBA mm-hmm. and yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah I think uh today we wanted to keep this uh podcast straight to the point um with what happened today and uh yeah I think we we should end it end it there Mm-hmm. Yes, for anyone that was really looking forward to us redoing the what was it the twenty third? Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically what I was going to say is first of all for anyone that was uh, looking forward to us redoing the what was it the twenty thirteen NBA draft? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we will we will be doing that. I mean, we'll be doing that next week um, for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, right now is not the time. Again, the biggest yeah. topic of today was these boycotts the impact of them and uh i guess what's to come from them yeah we'll close out the podcast there um as always you can uh tweet tweet us follow us uh send us feedback at uh on our twitters our personal twitters mine is at matt underscore rodrigo underscore mine's at the leafs imo and our twitter account is behind the net pod but before we let you guys go i just want to to leave you with this after everything that's been happening today we want to ask you which side of history you want to be on. We hope we hope to God that you pick the right side of history. For sure, for sure. And uh, before I end off the pod, uh, again, links will be in the uh, in the in the bio or the description of the uh, episode. But uh, we'll put some resources there. Um, definitely, a big thing is just keep educating yourself and others and uh, about the uh the movement right now um black lives matter we definitely need more people to fight against racism and injustice in our own local communities and in the world in general in our countries and everything uh in between and uh i think the biggest resource that i want to link people um is black lives matters that's with an s um at the end dot c-a-r-r-d dot co so that one has a bunch of links. You can donate. Um, you can read more about the uh, movement and uh, basically just continue to educate yourself and uh, take action if you can um, in a number of different ways. So, um, yeah, uh, we'll leave uh, we'll leave you guys with that. 
Um, That's the end of this week, and we'll catch you guys next week. Black Lives Matter.